and a lot of players want speed. That's like the number one thing people ask when they come to me. But we can't get faster unless our muscles become stronger and we have the fuel behind the engine. Before we jump into today's episode, we just wanted to give you a quick reminder that the RBSN library is now open and available for you to utilize. This collection of online sports nutrition resources is designed for athletes, sports dietitians, or registered dietitians who want to know more, and for sport professionals. We have a variety of different resources like the athlete cookbook, our tournament nutrition guide, our fueling timelines, programs for dietitians, and toolkits for college and high school athletic departments. Hello and welcome to the Eat More Carbs podcast. I'm Jenna Fisher and I'm here with my co-host Riley Beatty. Today we have Erica Suter on to answer some questions. Erica, can you take a minute and introduce yourself? My name is Erica Suter and I am a performance coach to female athletes. I mainly work with middle school, high school, and college girls, mainly soccer, but there's some other sports in the mix like field hockey, volleyball, gymnastics, basketball, and lacrosse. And I've been doing it for almost 13 years now, which seems to be going by really fast. I love what I do and I just love teaching girls how to strength train and become fast and just become beasts for their sport. Before we jump into some of our questions that we have today for Erica. We're going to do our high and low section, which we share a little bit about what's going on with us personally. So the good parts of our week and maybe the parts of our week that we're not so much loving. Riley, can you kick us off? Yeah, I'll start off with my high. So I'm pregnant. One of the things that I have been having an aversion to during my pregnancy is chocolate. And it makes me really sad because I love chocolate, but I'm really happy that my taste and love of chocolate has come back. So that's been great because I've been able to eat chocolate, which was just so sad that I had an aversion to it. So that's my high. My low is yes, my chocolate aversion is gone, but my pregnancy fatigue from my first trimester is back. So the nice bed that is in my office has been seeing a lot more of me these past couple of weeks. There's a high and a low there, both pregnancy related. Erica, do you have a high and low? Yeah. So I'll just start with my low. I am currently recovering from an autoimmune flare up from mold toxicity in my house. Yeah. It's been a rough six months. Just the symptoms have been so all over the place. It kind of gets all parts of your body, hormones, digestion, immune, like literally everything. But the good news is, is that I still worked during that time because I didn't want to just wallow in my sorrow. (laughs) And I ended up finishing my second book, which actually releases uh, on Black Friday. So that's really exciting. What's the title of your second book? It's called Female Athlete High Performance. Where can people buy it? It will be available on Amazon in paperback and hardcover. That is so exciting. Congratulations. I can't wait. (laughs) We're going to ask you a bunch more, but we would love to hear a little bit about what the book is about. I'm happy to get into it. It's yeah, it's very off the beaten path. (laughs) I will share my high and low real quick before we get into questions for Erica. My high for the week is that if you've been following along for a while at RBSN, we've been working really hard to launch our membership in January and it's just coming up so quickly. And I'm just so excited about all the hard work that we've been putting in and just getting really excited for the new year and all of that that has to come along with it. And also Riley's baby that comes in the new year too. So all the brand new things, all the wonderful things starting off this new year for us. My low for the week, again, if you've been listening along for a while now, I've been having a hard time finding running shoes and I still have not found the pair that is right for me. 
despite multiple attempts of ordering multiple shoes. <laughs> All right, Erica. So we have a couple questions that we want to ask you and we're so excited to have you on. I loved what you said about like making female athletes beasts. That's one of our passions here at RBSN as well. We have a couple of questions and I'll let Jenna kick us off. Can you talk about your approach to strength training for female athletes and how you help them achieve their goals? It's changed in recent years. So when I first started out, I was actually more of a skills trainer. And then I kind of realized I was part of the problem with overuse and early specialization in the soccer world. I was starting to see a lot of injuries in some of my athletes and I began to look at some of the buckets we were missing in our training and strength training being one of them, especially total body strength and being strong in the upper and core to really be able to control their momentum and decelerate properly. So that was one piece. And then really working on more of the explosive actions in the game. So change of direction and also speed, max velocity, because those are more for performance. But when you chase those, you also get injury reduction as a nice byproduct because injuries do happen in those more intense actions in the game at those higher velocities. So the focus of my program now is more performance based. And that's kind of the theme of the new book is for female athletes to put performance first and not fear injury so much. I think now in the strength and conditioning world, there's this fear mongering message of, oh, well, we need to enroll female athletes in injury prevention. And literally every program is marketed as injury prevention. And I'm like, well, why can't we just tell them to get bigger, faster and stronger? That's when I was growing up, I signed up for a strength and conditioning camp that was literally called that. And I was like, heck yeah, I want to be bigger, faster and stronger. I want to be the best out there. I want to be a beast. And because I had pursued that for several years, I never really went into competition fearing injury. I didn't know what an ACL was until I was in high school. It wasn't talked about as much as it is now. And I think it's talked about way too much. I, I think we need to shift the message more to focusing on the physical qualities that improve our game that make us more powerful and explosive and I just want girls to go into competition like warriors and just really make sure that they're equipped with all the tools to be the best competitors they can be so now it's more performance focused and really encouraging girls to lift heavy and not just hang out at the same weight for 16 weeks and to actually like get into those reps where they're kind of grinding it out in the last few reps and it does get a little bit uncomfortable and that's really how the body adapts and becomes strong it's not running away from stress but leaning into it a little bit and that's what the gym can provide so really encouraging girls to just push and get uncomfortable. And yeah, that's my message now. <laughs> I love that. Now that you say that as somebody who's not, you know, in the same space that you're in, but somebody who works with athletes is I'm hearing injury prevention all the time. And I didn't even think about that. So I love that like mindset flip that you're promoting and you're recommending because we can make female athletes like strong and powerful. And that's amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting because I even, I work with a lot of really young girls too, like ages 10 to 12. And they're already talking about ACL and they'll tell me how fearful they are of it. And I'm like, you should just be going out there and enjoying playing <laughs> and just running around. You're, you're a kid, you're really young. And it just bothers me that that fear is instilled in them young. 
And it's also kind of saying that them as a female, they're quote unquote broken. Like, oh, well, you're a female. You're two to three times more susceptible than males. And that's the message that these girls are being blasted with. And they're like, well, shoot, I resent, you know, my own gender. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm pissed that I'm a female. I'm bitter that I'm a female. And I'm like, no, let's be happy we're we're females and we can use that to our advantage and we can become amazing athletes and it just breaks my heart that it's just all over the place now I mean you hear it in the youth game then you hear it in the women's game and I'm like I guess fear sells you know like I guess that's why we saw this shift but in the early 2000s in strength and conditioning athletes just wanted to become strong like (laughs) there was none of this fear it's it's so different now and that's really why I wanted to write the book because everything we say to a female athlete everything we do as coaches it needs to be more of that empowering message we had this conversation with another individual on the podcast who was a physical therapist and she was talking about how the fear and like a lot of the marketing right now around sport performance especially in females is almost geared to telling them that there's something wrong with them and like we're fragile we need to be smaller and that it makes people really feel like there's something wrong with them because we've complicated it and we have twisted it in in such a way yeah and I I've seen that a lot with not just like the injury piece I mean we've heard people say to girls well you guys have wider hips well thank you Captain Obvious but you know what can we do about that I mean, we can't really change our anatomy. That would be a very painful surgery, right? But we can get girls in the gym. We can get them deadlifting, doing pull-ups, push-ups. And it's not like female athletes are going to have like a special treatment program. They're going to be doing the same lifts as the boys. Everyone needs total body strength work. Everyone needs single leg deceleration work and different kinds of jumps and hops. Even the boys need it for their knees. I think with girls, it's more so we need to ensure that they can lift heavy and they will lift a little bit differently than the boys. But that doesn't mean that they can't challenge themselves. They absolutely can. And every athlete is going to be different. And then another thing I see is with the menstrual cycle fear mongering. Look, like I think it's great we are looking at the menstrual cycle in performance uh, in terms of tracking load or maybe making certain tweaks in our nutrition and recovery. But there is also that fear message that girls are more susceptible to ACL risk because they have a menstrual cycle. And it's like, well, maybe, but if there was a certain phase in the cycle where they did have a higher risk, like, would we sit them out of the game? Would we be able to field a team? Or could we maybe just get them strong physically, give them the proper nutrition and recovery tools and be more proactive about it rather than reactive. Oh, we have menstrual cycles, like we're doomed. (laughs) So that's like my problem with the whole thing is like, we're just making the wrong things our focus. I think it's really easy to demonize one thing, right? Like it's the luteal phase. That's the reason, right? Like, I mean, Jenna and I see it all the time. Like, oh, it's the gluten. Like, oh, yeah, (laughs) the doom and gloom around one specific thing that we're just going to fixate on and pinpoint as the root cause of something. And it's like, no, absolutely not. Erica, I think you you said something that made me think of my own strength and conditioning way back in the day. And it would be like, boys are doing this exercise and girls are doing this exercise. And it was totally separate. And we like weren't even doing remotely the same thing. The other thing that you said 
was like getting uncomfortable and getting girls used to being uncomfortable in the gym. How do you help people kind of overcome some of that fear around maybe being uncomfortable lifting heavier in the gym? Because like I know when I first started lifting, like I didn't know what uncomfortable meant and like I didn't know how to reach that point. I think with girls is they really want to know the plan and the progression. So when girls start on day one in the weight room, just ensuring them, hey, look, like we are learning the movement patterns. We're not going crazy in these first few weeks because your body has to adapt to this movement. So something like a deadlift, I, I might be starting a girl out on on dumbbell so that she can just really hammer her technique down. And when I explain it to them that way, look, we're going to make sure you don't have bad form and you're safe and we do no harm first and foremost. And then once you master that, then to actually get those hamstrings stronger, to get that core stronger, we have to go up and load when we start to decrease those reps. And, you know, oddly enough, I don't get the backlash with the whole bulky thing anymore with girls. I think we are past that with most people. I, I think some girls still might fear it, but with the girls I work with, they, they do understand why adding that load is important. And I do think that they also get as soccer players, they run over like 10 miles a week while also strength training. So it's kind of impossible to get like, you know, like a bodybuilder <laughs> and we're not also doing like high volume reps. I am sure they know that we're never really going above 15 to 20 reps on exercises, which is what more bodybuilders do and that's a respectful sport but we're soccer players <laughs> so just explaining it to them hey this is how it's going to benefit you for your sport this is what's going to make you jump higher sprint faster not be fatigued in the final minutes and walk on the field with confidence I think that's when it clicks for them and they're like okay it's good to lift heavy <laughs> and I think just like nutrition with strength training not one size fits all if you're a soccer player your lifts are going to be different than lacrosse or if if you're a soccer player, your lifts are going to be different than a bodybuilder, like just like nutrition. But I think especially with social media, there's just been an oversimplification of it where one size fits all. It's either you're a male and you should do this or you're a female and you should do this. And, and I think it's also valuable to put girls in an environment with boys as well. And I've ran a lot of gym sessions that are co-ed and it's nice because it gets really competitive and it encourages girls to go for that extra pull up and kind of show the boys up a little bit and sometimes girls like lift a little bit heavier to just kind of like show off and I'm like that's cool like that's good to have them in that same high performance competitive environment. Riley and I are both very competitive people so I love that. Erica you kind of mentioned this already but are there any common like myths or misconceptions that you encounter when you're working with female athletes about strength training or any type of performance outcome? Yes this is one of my biggest pet peeves that injury prevention programs are separate, like they're, they're their own entity. And that to prevent injury, girls need to do like these cute little balance drills and mini band walks and hip bridges. When in reality, the best injury prevention program is a performance program with your strength, your power training, your speed training, your change of direction and agility. It's so many pieces into one and you have to be doing all of it. If you're just balancing on one leg, you are probably putting yourself at a greater risk for injury and you're not really getting anything done because when an ACL tear happens, for example, the amount of force is eight times of body weight. <laughs> so it's like, 
yes, we could balance, but eventually we have to progress that to like a loaded pistol squat. So we're getting the balance piece plus the loading piece. And that's a true performance program is adding that, that loading piece and that careful progression. That force is real. When yeah. I tore my ACL, I did it first game of senior year. I thought I got away with it, but when I tore my ACL, I don't know if you see this a lot, but my force was so strong that my bones hit each other and they actually broke each other. They're like, I got like a contusion because the force of the impact was so strong. I didn't know that about your injury, Riley. Yeah, that's actually where I got most of my pain from was like my bone contusions. If I had Erica in my life, maybe it wouldn't have happened. So <laughs> so Erica, when I was playing, I was definitely one of those athletes that was scared of strength training. If there are athletes who are listening and they're maybe a little scared to get into the gym, what strategies or I guess recommendations do you have for those athletes on how to switch their mindset? Well, my question to them would be how else are you going to be able to perform for your sport and, and raise the ceiling on your performance? So in order to become more explosive, and a lot of players want speed. That's like the number one thing people ask when they come to me. But we can't get faster unless our muscles become stronger and we have the fuel behind the engine. So I think like speed is like the best sell for people because everyone wants to get faster. No one complains about that. I think another thing would be to really encourage athletes to make sure they have also the nutrition piece with, with you guys or with any RD because that's going to help them with those fears around that body image and body composition and them being able to get in the caloric intake that they need for their body type and their goals and the demands of their sport so that they have the energy to play. I just find it funny when girls think that the gym is the only thing that's going to make them like bulky or like ruin the body composition when it's like, well, like, what are you eating? And like, are you eating enough first and foremost? I, I even look back on like my college career and it's like, I think my problem was I, I ate too much to the point I was like sick. <laughs> Like, like, I don't know, like under eating wasn't like a thing for me, but it was like those pasta parties. It's like, dang, I'm just like shoveling food. But just like knowing like that balance of like what you need to have energy and to have like the best body composition for your body type because everyone's different. I think that's something Riley and I talk about all the time from a nutrition perspective is that like your plate is going to be different from like your teammates plate and they're going to have different goals and that's okay, but we have to fuel in order to like supply our body with the energy demands that it has. I'm sure you see the same thing with the athletes that you're working with different responses and different needs in order to help people achieve their goals. What do you wish every female athlete knew about strength training? It's a lifetime pursuit. I think people think that it's just, oh, well, I'm going to do it as long as I'm a college athlete and then it, it's just going to stop. But when you get older, that's all the more reason to continue to do this because your muscles are going to start to atrophy. You're going to start to lose that twitch and that explosiveness and it's it's not good for your overall health when you're older I mean you could get knee problems or hip problems we all hear people getting like knee and hip replacements in, in their 50s and 60s and you don't want to go through brutal surgeries like that so at that point when you're done playing your sport strength training is for a lifetime you're a, you're a life athlete and even beyond just 
keeping injuries at a minimum. It's like, do you want to live life at a high level? Do you want to go on adventures? I took up snowboarding in my late 20s and I love it, but like, you got to be strong for that. Otherwise, you're dead after an eight hour day. <laughs> but like, you know, it's like stuff like that I want to enjoy and live life to the fullest. Or maybe you like to go cycling or hiking with your friends or, or your spouse. Or maybe when you're 60 years old, you want to play with your grandkids and not be out of breath. I mean, it's just things like that where I think strength training is so powerful for your health in so many ways. And even beyond that, like it's it's great for women's hormones, our immune systems, our longevity. I mean, I could do like an hour podcast on all the benefits of strength training and having more muscle as you age. But just knowing that it's going to be harder and you're actually going to have to train harder when you're done playing and you still have to do those uncomfortable reps and to to progress and, and to load and really up the weight. I totally made that mistake. I was the person who was like, after I'm done being a college athlete, I'm never going to do a Bulgarian squat ever again. I'm just going to do yoga. And literally like three months later, I was like, this isn't working. <laughs> like, I'm back in the gym and now I'm doing Bulgarian squats like a couple times a week, things like that. So I'm glad that you brought that up. I have a couple quick questions for you at the end, if that's okay. We ask every guest that's on. It is called the Eat More Carbs podcast. So the first question is, What's your favorite carb? I really like pastas and like sandwiches. Both are delicious. What's your favorite type of pasta? I think Big Zitty. What is that? It's kind of like lasagna, but like with like little noodles, like mozzarella cheese, tomato sauce. I don't know. It's hard to explain. <laughs> I'm going to have to Google this now. I don't know this. It's so good. <laughs> it sounds good. What is your favorite pre-workout fuel? My go-to was always like just a turkey sandwich or like a wrap with like lettuce, tomatoes, sprouts, lots of turkey. And I just felt like really satiated when I played games in college and just like uh, to the point where like I had enough energy to play and I wasn't like bogged down by my pregame meal. So I was definitely a sandwich person. <laughs> Sandwiches are underrated. I was the same way. I loved a sandwich before I played a game. And then what's your favorite post-workout fuel? Oh my gosh, I'm so boring. Probably the same thing, like either sandwich or anything Italian, penne vodka, lasagna, anything. <laughs> it all sounds delicious. I'm getting hungry right now, especially when you talked about your favorite dish because that sounds delicious. What is your favorite? pair of kicks we're big shoe people here jenna's on the hunt for a pair of running shoes so any pair of kicks it could be boots sandals that maybe stand out as your favorite I really like Adidas Ultra Boosts, just super comfy. I'm very brand loyal to Adidas. I had Adidas cleats and my feet are really wide, so it just fits my feet really well. When you find a pair of shoes that you like, you just kind of stick with it. Yes. So Female Athlete High Performance is my book that's coming out. And again, the message is all about building fast, strong and powerful female athletes and ditching this whole like injury prevention and fear injury narrative and just like really encouraging girls to chase performance first and then that injury reduction will follow 
Thank you so much for being on the podcast and for sharing all of your wisdom when it comes to strength training, especially for female athletes. I know this is going to be super helpful for a lot of the people that listen to the Eat More Carbs podcast. For people who maybe have more questions for you or would like to follow along with you, how can they find you on social media or what is the best way for them to reach out? I am on Instagram and Twitter, mainly at Fit Soccer Queen. And from there, you'll be able to find my website and all my other resources. We are going to leave all of Erica's information, including the link to her new book in our podcast description. So that way you can find her and ask any questions if you are a female athlete who's looking to improve your performance, especially from a strength standpoint. If you have any questions for Riley and I, you can leave them in the comments of this podcast, or you can find us on Instagram. We're at the Eat More Carbs podcast. You can find me. I'm at jenf.fisher.nutrition and Riley is at riley.beatty.nutrition. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure you rate, subscribe, and review. And as always, remember to eat more carbs.